SEP Fanfic Readings presents Thanks to the Photographs by Unstable Hufflepuff Chapter 30 Thankful for the Photographs Thanks to the Photographs and Unexpected Love by Pavati Patil The end of the Second Wizarding War brought along much peace and prosperity for most, though for many the world had crumbled at their feet. Survivors found solace in each other, and this was no different in the case of Hermione Malfoy, nay Granger, Order of Merlin First Class, known as the brightest witch of her age, and former Death Eater, Draco Malfoy. In the years following the Battle of Hogwarts, which marked the end of the war, the pair were as separated as can be, each heading down their own paths towards the lives expected of them. For Hermione, this meant a career at the Ministry of Magic, and a budding relationship with fellow war hero and childhood friend Ronald Weasley, Order of Merlin First Class. For Draco, taking on the role of head of the House of Malfoy in his father's absence, and settling down with one pure blood society's finest, Astoria Pusey, nay Graingrass, previously Malfoy. The two hardly crossed paths for a time, until circumstances that shocked all brought them together at the place they first met, Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. In September of 2002, both Hermione and Draco took up teaching positions at Hogwarts School, and I've been told that neither one knew the other would be joining the staff when they signed on. The pair have since admitted that they found something of a safe haven at the old school, something they were both in dire need of at the time, and a fast companionship with each other, despite their past and very real fact that they fought on opposite sides of the war. Hermione stated in an interview on Tuesday, with a laughing smile on her face, "'It was honestly strange how comfortable we were with each other. I think it caught a lot of people off guard, myself included.' Following the end of the war, Hermione was placed on a pedestal, along with childhood friends Harry Potter, Order of Merlin, First Class, and Ronald Weasley, for her efforts towards the defeat of Lord Voldemort. She joined the Department of the Control and Regulation of Magical Creatures, with the hopes of making the lives of all magical creatures easier, regardless of their status as a beast or being. In her three short years as the Ministry for Magic, she managed to become head of the Beast Division and pass the Werewolf Act, making it easier for those infected with lycanthropy to find jobs and the appropriate time off for the full moon. She was quickly climbing the ranks, her goal of one day becoming Minister for Magic, well within sight, when the rights she had fought so hard for others to have were taken away from her. Following a messy breakup with her then-beau, Weasley, Hermione did as many women do, and went for a night out on the town with a friend. It was then that she was caught in less-than-ideal circumstances, and her rights were violated— by not only the Muggle community, but the Wizarding too, when photographs of these circumstances were printed all over Britain. Having lost Weasley, whose family no longer willing to claim her as their own as they did for many years, many of her friends, and her career heading down the drain, Hermione packed up her life and headed to Venice, Italy, where she began studying Transfiguration under Transfiguration Master, who shall not be named due to the fact that I can only write his name, accompanied by a number of words deemed inappropriate by my editor. During this time, Draco, who had only narrowly escaped a sentence in Azkaban prison, was learning the ropes of being the only heir to the Malfoy line, and navigating pure-blood society with the help of his mother, Narcissa Malfoy, Order of Merlin, second class. He was prodded and pampered and forced to wed, all while still dealing with the demons of his past, and coming to terms with the truth about blood purity. He says that he kept quiet about his beliefs for a long time, because he would have been exiled from the only part of society that still accepted him, if he were open about them. This all changed, however, when he came down for breakfast one morning in late August of 2000, and set his sight on the morning paper. 
Hermione had been completely exiled from both Wizarding and Muggle Britain, he told me on Tuesday, even after all she had done for them, and I thought, well, if she's got the strength to do that, then I sure as hell do. And with that declaration in mind, he filed for divorce with Pusey, breaking his mother's heart and abandoning his duties as head of house to explore a mastery in charms, which he says has long been his favorite subject. The members of pure-blood society were shocked and horrified, even more so when he made his new beliefs on pure-blood purity known to them. The Malfoy family were no longer welcomed in their ranks. Then, in November of 2001, Draco's father, Lucius Malfoy, was released from Azkaban, and displeased, to say the least, at what had become of his family. He and his wife were determined to find Draco a new pure-blood wife in order to further the Malfoy line— but Draco had already decided that this was not in the cards for him. He replaced Professor Phileas Flitwick, Order of Merlin, third class, as the charms professor at Hogwarts School in order to find sanctuary away from his overly involved parents. He claims that this was the best decision he has ever made, and very cryptically added that it made up for the ones he didn't. When asked why it took so many months for their relationship to turn into more, Draco says that his wife is very stubborn— this statement was quickly followed by a yelp of pain after the wife in question stepped on his foot under the table. Draco and Hermione were married on July 14th, 2006, on the very grounds of the place they met. Fifteen months after this quaint but beautiful ceremony came the arrival of their son, Scorpius Regulus Malfoy. Despite the addition to their family, neither one was keen on leaving their post at Hogwarts, and instead raised him in the castle, with the help of one of the school's house-elves, who, according to Hermione has long been a friend of the family's, and was very excited to lend a helping hand when it came to raising an heir of the black family, which the elf had served his whole life. The students of Hogwarts play a huge role in Scorpius's upbringing, Draco tells me, and I have indeed seen it for myself. He is treated as something akin to a school mascot, and many of the students have placed bets on which house he will end up in when the time comes for him to be sorted. My money is on Hufflepuff." Four-year-old Scorpius's answer as to which house he will be in changes depending on which parent has most recently given him sweets. He spends much of his time being tended to by their house-elf friend, Creature Pavati, write it down, Hermione says, and assisting the groundskeeper, Rubius Hagrid, Order of Merlin, third class, with the abundance of magical creatures the half-giant keeps, something that sends his father's heart racing most days. I still remember the scroots, Draco exclaimed in defense. According to his godfather, Harry Potter himself, Scorpius is an angel whenever his mother is around, and very much the opposite when he doesn't have to fear her wrath. Yes, you heard it here, folks. Draco is the soft parent. The young boy's godmother, Pansy Knott, nay Parkinson, gave me a rude hand gesture when asked for a statement. Both Hermione and Draco grew uncomfortable when I brought up their son's grandparents. Draco requested that they pass on this question, but Hermione took his hand and explained that the only set of grandparents that would recognize their son— as she had erased her own parents' memories of herself during the war in an attempt to protect them from Lord Voldemort and his Death Eaters, do not acknowledge his existence. Lucius and Narcissa Malfoy meet Draco for dinner every other month and send gifts on his birthday each year and again at Christmas. But if they see him and his family in public, they look the other way. Once he is old enough to understand, we'll take Scorpius to Australia to meet his real grandparents." Draco told me, and it is clear that he still carries the sadness of his parents' betrayal even today. Hermione wrapped a loving arm around her husband and asked that we conclude the interview for the day. When the names Hermione and Draco Malfoy are mentioned today, many things are said. Death Eater, traitor, war heroine, saviour, 
and several other things that I was not given permission to print in Weech Weekly. But they are first and foremost survivors. Whether or not neither of their lives turned out the way they'd planned, they are their lives. And ones they now have the ability to control themselves, without the worry of pleasing those around them. When asked as to what they owe their success, Draco simply stated, We are very thankful for those blasted photographs. This has been Thanks to the Photographs by Unstable Hufflepuff. Narrated by SEP Fanfic Readings.